bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus like we're talking about reality TV. Grr. Grr. This fucking pandemic is just relentless. Sick of it. So last week, as many of you know, one of our good friends, Lady Red, died. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, as many of you probably don't know, it was on the same day that one of my good friends had a baby. Oof. And this week... Wow. I'm going to go meet the baby who is my goddaughter's baby brother the day before we have Lady Red's funeral. It's like we go, okay, we're going to, it's a new week. We can do it. We can sober up. We can do it. And then it's just like, oh, wait, the (laughs) shit continues. Well, I'm going to imagine Lady Red, just like in the movie, All of Me, she's Lily Tomlin. Uh, she dies and then she her spirit and soul will be put into your godson goddaughter's he brother he should be my godson but and that's between <laughs> me and my friend <sighs> and then just think of how fabulous and f- you know that son is gonna be yeah I mean it really is 2020 in a nutshell I feel like it we is are constantly living through like the circle of life in yeah. real time and that's not just because black is king just came out <laughs> i was already like in a super right. lion king moment because mm-hmm. of because of that song because it's just all it's so much like heartbreak and then there's so much love or it's even just like with the protests and black lives matter it's like all of the police killings we hear about and even just george floyd it's like horrific horrendous shit horrendous to hear about. horrendous i listened to this that federal judge in New Jersey whose son got killed and listening to her press, you could not, you, I was driving and I'm weeping. And at the end of her press conference, she said the overwhelming pour outpouring of love that you, everyone has shown us has uplifted us and helped us through our moments of, you know, the worst darkness. And she said, so in closing, I just thank you. And I, and, and love, and I love you all. And I was like, (laughs) like, That's exactly what I'm saying. Like it's crazy. You're, you know, I just remember. So I remember you telling me about George Floyd when I was driving and I was just like, and then it was everywhere. And I was like, how do I avoid this video? And even then I still had to, you know, I still ended up hearing the details of it. And I just thought there was nothing I would ever restore my faith in humanity after hearing that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's fucking kill yourself time. And these, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that have taken to the streets. These marches have continued for over 60 days straight. And it's this 
feeling of like love and it's not just like fighting or like we're fighting right. back it's a feeling of love right and especially with trump and he keeps trying to his administration and all republicans <laughs> keep trying to suppress the love oppress the love not have any love but the love keeps coming back like a like a wave like a wave in the water okay it just it might go out but then it yep. comes back and you know what we you know what happens in the ocean the undercurrent so he may think the gop may think that they're doing something shady but the undercurrent's gonna fucking get you okay and with every person that we lose or every fight that we lose or every time i read a story about how apparently the post office is oh my god be fucked up right with every single thing like that another stronger right better yeah bigger wave comes in and the undercurrent fucking sucks you in yeah yeah so it's just kind of apropos and right now we're just we just got to lean in lean in and you know what if my friend jessica doesn't fucking make me the godmother of (laughs) campbell even though she already told me i wasn't Mm -hmm. but i have some weird masochistic feeling like i'm like okay maybe she's gonna ask me maybe she's just trying to like throw me off the scent but she isn't she is going to separate her children (laughs) okay she's gonna separate her children (laughs) if something happens to her i'm taking rent and i'm then and then her family's gonna be like but what about campbell and i'm gonna be like sorry jessica dumb fucked up (laughs) she didn't want to make this official and Mm. i'm holding her to that yeah Mm -hmm. so ma'am ma'am yes we've started a cleanse um yeah the cleanse is called constantly sweating constantly peeing constantly pooing constantly headache constantly toxic a weird odor coming from all the dying toxins feet sweating (laughs) feet sweating we've done it so many times (laughs) you know anyone who's listened Mm. knows it's a three-week cleanse it's through d herbs we don't get any money they don't care about us no we've done it we how many times do you think we've done it total since we've known each other i'm gonna say five times that's insane (laughs) we have done it at least 10 oh (laughs) yeah i do i do i usually try to do it two times a year no that's true that's true so it's a you take five little capsules filled with different herbs and you five times a day so in the morning we do right. at 7 a.m we do blood and lymphatic at 10 a.m we do cardiovascular at noon we do adrenals and and then at 3 p.m we do liver and fucking kidney and meh. and then at no maybe kidneys at five it's at four oh. and i'm actually due for mine right about now oh, shit we didn't where's your alarm you've been setting it Oh, I no. forgot lungs. Lungs is actually at noon. Oh, that's the okay. Mm-hmm. So then we go adrenals or whatever. Then we go kidneys, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we go colon. Okay, <laughs> we end this whole thing like after our last meal, and the stomach starts to gurgle, and we just <laughs> deal with it. Okay, don't even try to just just it's it's perfect during pandemic because we are just quarantined. Oh, it's perfect. Let the stomach let my stomach cramp. Okay. I've run through a grocery store before, and I don't take shits at grocery stores. I right. have run and been like, where's the bag? I need it now. <laughs> point it. Just point it. I don't know where aisle 10 is. And then I'm like, get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. And I see a woman come out the giant stroller. I'm like, go, go. Get your kid out of here. I'm about to shit on your kid. Oh, and that's I'm about when, to shit in that stroller. That's right. And that's when they, and that's when the lady's usually doing her makeup at the fucking mirror. <laughs> and I'm like, 
<laughs> all right, well, I'm just going to shit in here while you're fucking putting your makeup on, I guess. <laughs> and then I'm just like, like that, where she's like, why is this man in here? And I'm like, this man in here is in here because he's going to shit in the toilet while you're doing your makeup. Well, at least the grocery store, aren't those in, the one I went in was alone. You're, because oh. you have IBS, so you do this at like regular <laughs> bathrooms, but... This is my only time to really connect with, uh, deeply connect with what Meow Meow goes through on the <laughs> daily because it does make you feel like you have IBS because every that is shit is an emergency. Exactly. And That's it right. is what it is. So That's we're, right. We're on the cleanse. We aren't drinking for three weeks. We are, we will do drugs, as you guys know. In fact, any drug we can get our hand on. So if, if just one hand. So if anyone wants to mail any this way, get right ahead. <laughs> but we won't drink. We are definitely going to. We won't eat chips. I do have rice cakes. Though. I am gonna eat croutons. I am gonna have rice cakes. Okay. So we're getting it together, and we wouldn't be able to get it together if it wasn't for Big Brother. Mother fucking oh all stars starts tomorrow. If you're listening to this when it comes out on Tuesday, it starts Wednesday, August fifth. Fuck. Yes, meow meow. Yeah. There's absolutely no way with the direct, intense eye contact between us right now that we would be able to stop drinking and eating everything in the city without <laughs> Big Brother. That's right. We're going to eat, drink, inject Big Brother into our veins 24-7. And you guys know, and I don't fucking care if you're watching 90 Day Fiance on demand, there is not <laughs> enough TV shows out there new to maintain the level of healthy home life which the only way you can maintain healthy home life is by watching a lot a lot a lot of tv that's really f distracting for you and calming and there just isn't enough tv there for me there just isn't there isn't. oh i uh, believe me i know i've i'm now on youtube watching weird history documentaries yeah. i mean on youtube okay all right and you know you end up looking at Jeffree Star. <laughs> and then you, well, of course, and then you can't, because then all of a sudden in your thing, it's like recommended for you. And you're like, what? And it's like Jeffree Star and James, yeah, and then whatever you're like, what his name am is. I, a trash box whore? Right. Yes, turns out I am. Well, what are these two up to? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we have a special guest today. The biggest guest we've ever had on the podcast in terms of the level that Julie and I stand. <laughs> we might have had some bigger names per se, but there are only a handful of other people in politics that are on the level of this guy, in our opinion. And we can't fucking believe that we got the opportunity to interview him. And if you want to hear how this came to be, we're going to tell the whole story on our $1 Patreon podcast. Just go to www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics to sign up. This guest is a major milestone for this podcast, which we started when Trump got elected because we wanted a place for reality TV junkies to go to hear about what was happening with our newly elected Trump government in a regular weed kind of way. That was funny and easy. We didn't care about sounding smart or in the know. And uh, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessively paying attention to the news, but with a very narrow lens. And Brandy wasn't paying attention at all. There was no good reason for two girls from a Bravo show to do a political podcast, but we just said, fuck it. We will learn as we go because we are our own target audience. So that's what we did. We started it without ever really thinking through how hard it would be. <laughs> Turns out the dismantling of America by Donald Trump and the Republican Party 
doesn't really make for an easy and funny <laughs> podcast subject. And it didn't take long to realize that not very many people wanted to listen to it. And quite frankly, we didn't even really want to talk about it either. But at that point, the die was cast and it was too late to change the podcast to dumb gay bachelorette recaps. So we doubled down and said, we're going to keep this fucking podcast alive through Trump or die trying. And if it wasn't for the loyalty and dedication of the 14 listeners who have been on this journey with us from the very beginning, we definitely would have quit. And that is genuinely true. You guys started this with us and you stayed with us through terrible audio, which could be happening now. Tons of factual mistakes, problematic opinions, problematic guests, half-ass editing, and endless promotion of our Patreon podcast. So ultimately, we feel like this interview isn't just our milestone, but yours too. So here's to you, our 14 listeners. We've been together for three and a half years, and we're finally having our first baby milestone. Get down. All right now, Get. this one right here for Andrew Yang. We gotta make this man the president, y'all. Come on. Get it down. ain't left. No, it ain't right. No, it's Ford. Come on, y'all. It's Ford. Come on. Let me see you have four one time. Let me see you have four one time. Let me see you have four again. Keep moving forward, y'all. Look, when I say Andrew, y'all say Yang. Andrew, Andrew. When I say Andrew, y'all say Yang. Andrew, Andrew. Look, get off your ass. It's time to dance. Andrew Yang, he got a lot of plans. Fathers, sons, and daughters make America think Carter. I never been into politics until I learned by Andrew Yang. Sitting on my couch at home, I seen a video, I could forget his name. Listen, he really trying to fight for y'all. He really trying to make Medicare for all. Vote for Andrew, it's common sense. He the only one on stage that makes sense. Making him the president's a must. He just got endorsed by Elon Musk. Fourth Industrial Revolution. Andrew Yang, he got the solution. All right now. I need to see y'all dancing if y'all want this money. You want a freedom dividend? Say yeah. You want a thousand dollars? Say yeah. Legalize marijuana? Yeah. Health care for all? Hell yeah. Better education? Hell yeah. Take away student loans? Hell yeah. Control drug costs? Hell yeah. Fight climate change? Come on. Let me see you get down like you want a thousand dollars a month. Come on. Let me see you dance like you want a thousand dollars a month. Let me see you get down like you want a thousand dollars a month. Move them hips now. Let me see you get down like you want a thousand dollars a month. Come on. This one right here for Andrew Yang, y'all. We got to make this man the president, because he the only one that makes sense. Come on. Get down. Get down. Come on now. Get down. So this is the part of the show where we would normally introduce one of our regular segments. It could be the Eye of the Shitstorm or Quarantine Kiki or a moment with Melania. But we actually don't even have a segment that could ever do this moment justice, so we went ahead and invented a new one called Go Ahead and Kill Yourself because Andrew motherfucking Yang is on our stupid motherfucking podcast. If you don't know who Andrew Yang is, then you're definitely not one of our regular 14 listeners. And if that's the case, you should probably turn this off immediately and go put on Joe Rogan or some shit because there's no way that this introduction or our interview will ever do him justice. (laughs) But just in case you don't know, don't remember or don't know if you remember, Andrew Yang was the historical presidential candidate known amongst Republicans and people who don't follow politics as the cute Asian dude who wanted to pay everyone $1,000 a month. 
The idea and support for universal basic income died with Martin Luther King Jr., and it wasn't until Andrew Yang brought it back 50 years later that it became part of the national conversation again. And though he caught our attention with the $1,000 a month, he kept our attention by talking about digital warfare, getting rid of the penny, paying college athletes, changing how we measure the gross domestic product, and by making fun of Congress for not knowing shit about technology. But of course, our 14 listeners already know all of that stuff because in every one of our debate specials, we played clips of Andrew Yang exponentially more than any other candidate. (laughs) That's true. We were heartbroken when he dropped out right before Super Tuesday. But at the same time, we were relieved that we didn't have to choose between him and Elizabeth Warren. And the night he dropped out, Julie and I did a ton of drugs and stayed up until 3 a.m. researching and pretending we were going to go to his CEO school. Meow, meow. Remember how jealous we got when he mentioned that dude in the audience at the debate who went through his program and now he has like crawfish restaurants in San Antonio I do yes we were like why does Andrew Yang care about Sean Wen and not us well turns out sweetie Andrew Yang completely cares about us he's so obsessed with us and so obsessed with our podcast that he literally had the deputy executive (laughs) director of his organization Humanity Forward Conrad reach out to us and ask if he could come on as a guest and we were like sure but You know, we saw his interview with Mark Cuban on his Yang Speaks podcast, and it was so fucking interesting and next level. What could we possibly have to offer? And that's when Conrad told us that Andrew Yang thinks we're like the best looking and funniest people that he's ever seen in his life. So without further ado, we're so excited to introduce our number one fan, Andrew motherfucking Yang. Hello, it's Andrew motherfucking Yang, your number one fan. Yes. So glad to be here. And I'm sorry you felt... Uh, you felt like I was favoring Sean Wynn, my old friend, over you. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking in that moment, but we almost enrolled. Then we realized we're not we smart. We have no skills. We're too old. Yeah. We have no money. We never made any money. We can't think of anything. No. We're not entrepreneurs. Nope. So nope. you're nope. overqualified, and uh, you know there. <laughs> and I, I'd say like there's so many artists and creatives that are entrepreneurs. You know, like entrepreneurship to me is just trying to. Uh, provide something positive to the world. And you two are definitely doing that. Well, I mean, we're definitely going to love our new business called the official podcast of Move Humanity (laughs) Forward. Please, let's move humanity forward. It needs it so bad. We're like somehow uh, degrading. We're like becoming, you know, (laughs) less evolved, not more evolved. It's so true. It's so sad. So right off the bat, in simple terms, just explain what the deal is with our data and how we're all getting screwed. Uh, so if you join Facebook, you know, which I did years ago, and then you say, ooh, like how much does this cost? Nothing, great. And then you sign up. And then it turns out that Facebook's now monitoring every like, uh, every click, every interaction you have, and then it's selling it to advertisers. Uh, so Facebook has this giant ecosystem, and it's not just the Facebook site or Instagram or the rest of it. Like uh, at this point, um, the, the, the companies are tracking you far and wide. Or Google, which has you know, the mail, the maps, uh, the talk, <laughs> so, so the voice. Uh, so uh, our data is getting sold and resold hundreds of times, thousands of times over, and they are making about a couple hundred uh, billion a year off of us. And so when you sign up and you say, oh, this is free, so this is great, it turns out that it's not free in the sense that uh, a lot of money is getting made off of us uh, and uh, we're not seeing any of it. So that's one thing I was trying to change and am trying to change that if anyone gets some of that money, it should be us because it's our data. We're the owners. Uh, And that was one element of my presidential platform. And now I'm trying to do something about it with the data dividend project. Get that data dividend. We just signed up for, by the way. (laughs) 
I can't decide if it if I want to be paid for it or I don't want my data given it used. All. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can turn it off. So the data dividend thing is supposed to be catchy, so people be like, "Ooh, I can get paid for my data." But the <laughs> fact is, uh, like the the rules should be that you can just turn it off if you want, and we're into that too, very much so. Yeah. So who is the biggest offender as far as like exploiting our privacy for profit? Is it Facebook? Yeah, you'd have to say Facebook's number one. Uh, Google's two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then after that, there's a bit of a steep drop off. But I'm going to nerd out a little bit with you all. Google announced recently that they are trying to get rid of third-party cookies on their uh, in their network, which is everything because Google controls a lot of stuff. And if they were to do that, then it would make Google probably the number one abuser uh, and because Google would still, ha still have all of our data. But third-party advertisers would not be able to track your movements on, on the web because Google said they're going to get rid of third-party cookies. So they're saying it's good for like privacy, but the fact is they're still there getting all the data. It just makes them stronger and other people weaker. So they're just monopolizing, tracking us. Now, and, and as we're, we're having this conversation, you know, the tech CEOs are gearing up for their testimony. Um, they're tracking us, yeah. And the, the monopoly is just getting more powerful in each of these spaces, unfortunately. Okay, so what would regulations look like? What does the data dividend project want? So here's the ideal world, if we can pull it off, is that you have a data wallet that goes with you and you can change the settings. You can say max share or don't share at all. Uh, and it, it goes with you and you can move it. So theoretically, if you wanted to leave Facebook for another social media network or just turn off the data, you could take it with you. Uh, so that is the ideal world where we have data wallets that uh, we can plug in and they're essentially anonymized too, so that uh, we know what's happening to our data. And if someone's going to benefit from our data, then we see it, we can say no, we can participate. Now, and this is as someone who's like a normal human being in, in many respects. So it's, it's not like I wanna pay attention to this stuff. Like no one wants to pay attention to this stuff. Uh, so what the data dividend project's trying to do is trying to provide an intermediary layer where it's like, we'll figure out the details, just tell us what direction you wanna go and then we'll do it for you. Uh, now we're very, very far away from this portable data wallet vision uh, because right now what's happening is everywhere you go, you're leaving behind uh, shreds of information about yourself, some of which are uh, personalized, they know it's you. Some of them are anonymized where they don't really know it's you, but they know it's like a, you know, a dad who like drives a Subaru and you know, right. <laughs> uh, a lesbian so, with a Forester. You know what I drive. I mean, yeah. um, speaking I, I, of what yeah. you drive, do you drive a Subaru? Um, yeah, Subaru Forester. Oh, yeah. you do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that was not a DL lesbian joke. That <laughs> Which was just is crazy. Like, that was actually my dad ride. So. Well, that is also the number one lesbian yeah. car. I was aware of that. <laughs> That's why I love it. The reason I bought it, Julie. No. Yeah, right. Now that we're in your business, I need. I would like to know what kind of phone you have. Uh, I have an iPhone X. Okay. And do you do Alexa? Do you have Siri turned on on your iPhone? I find that stuff more irritating than value add, so uh, I turn them off or never turn them on. Do you, but do you have Alexa in your home? Is Alexa listening to us right now? Fuck off, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> If so. There's a there's a Google Voice in my living room. Okay. Sorry, Google Home, like the little pylon. That's getting your data, right? Oh On, yeah, it is for sure. Like everything your kids eat, they have mac and cheese, Google. All this, all, all of my uh, screaming and terrible parenting, all recorded for Google. <laughs> something, yes. So that doesn't bother you? 
<laughs> well, no, not screaming in terrible parenting. I mean that they're listening. Uh, again, I'm like most normal people where I'm like a lazy, uh, you know, creature of convenience where I just want to get stuff done. Um, are there abuses happening? Yes. Uh, do I want to stop those abuses society-wide? Yes. Um, am I going to, you know, become like a person with like a tinfoil hat on my head? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I have developed a severe, severe tech paranoia in like when we went into quarantine and something snapped and I just got really scared of all the devices and so many trolls just like little minor hacks like we're ordering Postmates and then I get a text that's like we tried to deliver and you weren't home and I'm like gross how do you know what I'm doing and yeah. it's like not real so the, the, the tech paranoia society-wide is too low like the paranoia should be ramped up like on an individual level my attitude is, and this is less true for me than it was like two years ago, but like no one gives a shit about your, you know, your, your food ordering. <laughs> you mean there's not a troll farm sitting around being like, oh, she got the sushi again. Like, no? Exactly. Well, yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, he's reading material. It's like, whatever. Well, what about TikTok? Uh, I have mixed feelings about TikTok. I find it fun and diverting. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in some and it's almost like impossible not to be entertained. Mm -hmm. uh, like, are, are there legitimate security concerns? Um, yeah, there are. You know, I mean, there's a lot of going through there. Um, and, and the ownership is unclear. I mean, you have to accept the fact that the division between Chinese companies at a certain scale and the Chinese government, like the line is uh, very, very blurry, frankly. Um, the other thing to know is that the Chinese government has banned any number of Western social media apps in China for a variety of reasons. Uh, and, and so if you put all those things together, like, is there a legitimate case where the U.S. should come down on TikTok? Yeah, unfortunately, there is. Um, and, and that's not something I'm happy to report. But, you know, it, it is something where you can build a very legitimate case. Have you ever been to China? Uh, yeah, of course. No, not of course. I mean, it... that wasn't a microaggression. <laughs> we went and we went to Taiwan. I wanted to getting to talk to you about Taiwan. So, oh, yeah. Cause... That's where my parents are right now. Um, you know, you I went there. there. An awful lot. Taiwan is the best. So if, if you're looking for like a trip to Asia and you want some place where the people are warm and friendly. So, you know, so you guys watched the debates and you did commentary on it. Like we had a joke in my team about how every time I got a fucking China question, it's like, oh, <laughs> Like, what's the deal with like the Chinese approach to this? I'm like, well, based upon my years as the trade representative of nothing, and, you know, and I did know stuff and I did have an opinion. Um, and I have spent time in Asia um, because my parents moved back to Taiwan or my, my parents moved back to Taiwan about 10 years ago. So I went back every year to visit them. I'm a good son. Uh, and uh, I spent a semester in Hong Kong. My brother uh, did studies in Beijing and I visited him there. Uh, you know, I have family in Shanghai. Um, so in, in my case, some of like the stereotypes you'd have about like that the guy knows something about Asia would be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so other than your campaign, this is the truth. The only thing that is, have really given us hope this year is like these 60 straight days of protests. What should we be demanding in this moment? I'm a data guy, so I try to see what policies we could implement that would help alleviate police brutality. Uh, and some of the numbers around police brutality are staggering. I was like, okay, like how bad is this that we have any kind of uh, measurements for? So over a thousand people die in contact with police every year. And that's a guess because they don't really report. Even though there was a law saying they need to report, they don't really do it so much. Um, the second data point that just blew my mind was that uh, civil lawsuits result in over a billion dollars in damages against police departments every year. 
And think about how hard it would be to successfully sue cops for uh, some kind of misconduct. Like the deck is stacked against you. And despite all of that, you're seeing over a billion dollars in payouts every year. So if you think about that, you're, you're looking at multiple billions of dollars worth of egregious police misconduct every year. And Kamala Harris uh, came out and said, look, you can't have a local DA responsible for this stuff because they work with law enforcement every day. And what are they going to do, like turn around and nail a bad cop? Like, it, like they just have like the wrong um, yeah. incentives and relationships. So to me, you would ideally have a Department of Justice, George Floyd division that gets brought in when there are uh, police misconduct cases, and then they can investigate in an impartial way. It's like, you know, like they're not beholden to local uh, law enforcement. To me, that you need something like that in order to have like a real counterweight. I mean, the, the other things around police reform, trying to fund uh, folks who or answer phone calls that aren't armed police that are like drug crisis counselors mm -hmm. and workers, something like a third of police shooting victims are severely mentally ill. And you can just imagine someone showing up and then someone not listening to police instructions. And then we're like, well, what we're going to do, like person uh, didn't listen. Uh, so, so those are some of the big structural changes, uh, but uh, on a policy standpoint, um, the, the things that people are fighting for are generally the right ones, banning chokeholds, uh, trying to have different approaches to policing in communities than we currently have, like the demilitarization of police officers. Mm. My God, we're giving them like hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> of hardware, uh, free of charge. Um, and then there's even a rule where they say, hey, if you don't use this tank within the first year, then you have to return it, which of course they're not gonna actually check up on you. But then if you're a police department, you're literally like, well, we got this tank. <laughs> Let's roll the tank out <laughs> so we, they don't take it back. We are I mean, now obligated to, you know, go like destroy a house with it. So, uh, it, the, so they're they're like they're massive, massive problems on the, um, in terms of the culture of these police departments. Unfortunately, and the thing that breaks my heart the most is like, despite all the passion, uh, and, and folks pouring their hearts out on the streets, like they there still hasn't been a law passed. Um, and, and so to me, like that's one of the things that I know you're passionate about is trying to figure out what down ballot races, uh, that that we can support so that you actually have a Congress that will make real changes. I mean, maybe that's the first thing, and certainly in, you know, on, in Humanity Forward, when you have all the candidates that you're endorsing, perhaps that's a first step that we can all physically and tangibly do, or vote for those people. Vote, 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 vote. I mean, what else yeah. can we do right now? We can't... Well, what would you do if you were there, if you were president right now, and that all these marches were going on? Is it like an executive order type of thing? Or does Congress have to get a bill going? Most of it does involve congressional legislation, though if you're the president, you do have a significant amount of discretion over what the Department of Justice does because it answers to you. And so you could you could go uh, to your attorney general or the head of the DOJ and then say, look, uh, let's investigate some of the police departments that have like the worst records uh, on this stuff. So there are things you could do immediately. There's the symbolic stuff, which is very important. Like I would have been in Minneapolis like immediately, uh, you know, and, and uh, just demonstrated how uh, how tragic and, and serious all uh, these issues are for people of color around the country, for everyone, really, because as an American, you're just shocked and disgusted. Um, so there, there are things the right in executive branch could do immediately, um, but you ideally do have Congress that can implement uh, more sweeping changes. Uh, the, the tough part is I think there's something like 67,000 police departments around the U.S., mm -hmm. and they have completely different jurisdictions, you know, from some tiny police department in some small town up to the NYPD. Uh, and, and so 
Like, the governance is all over the map. Just out of curiosity, did you watch the hearing with AG Barr the other day? Do you watch that stuff now that you're out of the race, or are you like, I cannot even fucking do it? Well, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm busy trying to, uh, like, just like you all, like you're trying to find productive actions to take. Yeah. Um, and, and I find that it's much better for my state of mind um, than, than watching some corrupt asshole, like. Yeah, I mean, just out of, I just was wondering, like, if you Julie likes that. to stoke her lesbian badge rage, but the rest of us are just like, I don't need any more. I can go my lifetime without looking at Bill Barr doing his Elton John drag. <laughs> So if you were there right now, we don't like talking about coronavirus, but what's the deal? Have they spent more on this coronavirus situation with the stimulus checks, the unemployment, than it would have cost to do the freedom dividend? Oh yeah, they're in that ball, uh, that ballpark for sure. The first uh, CARES Act was three trillion or so. You could have given everyone in the country a thousand a month on that much uh, money. And the fact is of that $3 trillion, um, less than 15% went to people. The vast majority got plowed into banks and uh, airline companies uh, and like what have you. Um, and there are a few elements of that that you would be cool with. Like if they were to say, hey, California's uh, state budget, let's like put billions of dollars to work. That's like a fine use of resources uh, because that's going to keep state employees em employed. So that kind of thing I'd be perfectly happy with. But that's not what it was. Most of it was bailouts to big companies. And isn't it funny they said that we couldn't afford as a country, nation, universal basic income? Like, oh, how are you going to pay for that? And it's like, well, I guess you figured it out <laughs> when you got $3 trillion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went around going going to crowds around the country saying the biggest lie in American life is that we don't have the money. Because, uh, you know, during the financial crisis, do you remember voting for the $4 trillion bailout of Wall Street? And then people laugh. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, like, none of us voted for that shit. I mean, like, if you had a choice between bailing out homeowners or Wall Street, you would have chosen the homeowners and then people would have kept their homes. But instead it was, let's bail out Wall Street, people lose their homes. And then you have private equity firms come buy those houses for like uh, nickels and dimes on the dollar. Uh, this country has got, gone really off the rails where everything now revolves around how much money things uh, can, you know, can be worth to certain firms. Uh, and, and so to me, like this, this, crisis is an opportunity for us to look up because I'll tell you right now it's like when I was making that argument around the country some people did not buy it some people were like oh we don't have the money but like now that we we just did what we did like now 74% of Americans <laughs> are, are now on board with cash relief because they're like are you kidding me like we clearly can do this that's why we loved you so much and we couldn't believe that someone was saying that it was just like the fact that you understand and that someone can comprehend a thousand dollars a month changes your life like when you have nothing or you struggle to make to to find $50 to pay a bill, an extra $1,000 will really uplift your entire um, your whole existence. You're just your whole existence. Yeah. And that stupid fucking argument like, oh, people won't have incentive to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the most incentive because now yep. you're the money you're making actually matters because you have the thousands. So right. You're over. Right. Yes. Right. You can actually start to get ahead or like make yes. decisions. If somebody's in a situation like they live in Southern California, it's so expensive to live here, but it's so expensive to move. Even if you're just like, screw it, I'm going to North Dakota, I'm gonna get a puffy coat, I'm just gonna go, I don't care. It's it's so inexpensive to live in, you know, 50% of the country, but it's impossible to move. Right. You have to yes. be able to, that $1,000 would let someone actually get up and move their family. Right. Yeah, it, it also keeps you from being exploited. Like if you are a waitress getting 
assaulted by your asshole boss at the diner. Right now you're putting up with it because you're like, I can't even quit this job and like survive for right. like the couple of weeks it would take me to find another job. You get a thousand bucks a month, you'd be like, screw this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like it, yeah. it, it would just improve people's uh, ability to make better decisions for themselves instead of always having this boot on their throat. Uh, and uh, I'm really grateful to you all for seeing it. You know, like, and and it was ne it wasn't even me either, in the sense that, like, like you said, MLK fought for it in the '60s, and then something happened between the '60s and now where it required the magical Asian man to come and say, <laughs> like, we should give everyone money. Like, and then people were like, and at first people were like, who the heck is this guy? Look at this like ridiculous idea. And I was like, it was actually a pretty excellent idea. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> We talk about you with everyone we interview, Cornell Belcher, <laughs> Charles Booker, everyone's on board. I am so glad to be having this conversation. You've been doing all this awesome work on my behalf this whole time. I should have been here a long time ago, yeah. or maybe not, because you guys are doing a great job of just channeling whatever the heck I might have said. <laughs> well, those people already all loved you anyway. So tell us why pennies are bullshit. We throw pennies in the street like we're good luck fairies. We're like, fuck this trash. I think the simplest explanation is that it costs more than a penny to produce a penny. Uh, and you have to get that copper from somewhere. You know, there's actual like mining and extraction. And then it costs you 70 million plus extra a year to make them. Uh, and then you put them out of the economy and it costs us the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of hours just to like give them to each other. The time it takes for one, two... <laughs> Three. So do we all... produce them more every year or do we just let what's yeah, there? That's another thing. Like, so, so we have to make more. Like right now there's a coin shortage. There's like an emergency coin shortage because all of our coins are sitting in a jar because we've all been in our houses. Uh, and so they haven't circulated. So the mint is going like, oh, we have to make more coins. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is so dumb. Um, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm focused on the penny. But each nickel, it's the same deal. Each nickel costs seven cents to produce. Oh, my like, God. Like, talk about throwing money down a hole. Uh, and uh, <laughs> at this point, <laughs> like... other countries have figured this out. It's so frustrating to me how, like, other countries can do something. And then the U.S. is like, oh, get rid of the penny. Like, it's <laughs> so hard. It's like, well, Canada did it. And they still to be okay. Not, do you think that America gets, like, because the, they get into this thing of, like, but, but, but the foundation yeah. of America, <laughs> the founding and the penny, and what people like they can't. It's like pennies and nickels and things that are traditionally American. It's like we couldn't possibly stop it or let it go. We we should just play that that song from Frozen, "Let It Go," like every time, <laughs> yes. and just throw pennies. <laughs> I know you probably have to go. But we don't want to no, let you. Too much fun. I'll come back. This is so much fun. I'll oh become my like. God. Uh, I'm going to crowd out every guest on your podcast. <laughs> we're going we to have someone else, but Yang insists on, like... <laughs> Let's talk shit about people. Let's talk some shit. Let's talk some shit. So, was anyone a dick to you on the campaign trail, like any of the other candidates, any of the Trump people? Most of the other candidates were pretty good to me. Um, I, I think that there was... I'll, I'll tell you, there was, like, a really funny dynamic, because I both got big-footed and then big-footed others within the space of like a number of months. So what do I mean by that? It's like what happens is you go to a candidate, you go to an event and there are four candidates uh, and everyone cares, let's say about one candidate um, uh, whose name is not Andrew Yang. <laughs> 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 like, like, 
Um, so there was certainly one event I, I came to and no one gave a crap about me. And then Beto showed up. And this is when Beto was like ultra hot. Um, and so I'm like, like Beto. And you're in these rooms uh, and you could just see like it's, it's almost like there's like a gravitational field where like Beto's there and he's tall and then he's just like surrounded by the swirl of people and cameras and then everywhere he went, like the swirl went with him. And then there's Andrew Yang, like who, who's like just standing there alone with like one like awkward <laughs> staffer around being like, <laughs> you know? So I'd been on both sides. And one of the things as a human being you pick up on is like when candidates are good to you when you're on the other end of it, like when they're the important one and you're mm -hmm. not the important one. And most of the candidates were very, very, uh, generous and collegial that way. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to um, Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, who were both very uh, kind and generous. Kamala was too, like when Andrew Yang was not a thing. When Andrew Yang was just like the, the guy walking around, like Joe and uh, Kamala and Elizabeth were always very gracious. When you oh, said yeah. that she was reading your book, I mean, we were holding each other. <laughs> we couldn't take it. We couldn't take it. You know, there was like a period there where it was like, we wanted Elizabeth Warren and Andrew Yang, same ticket. I mean, yeah. we had all these like iterations of just hopeless dreams, Andrew, really, you know? <laughs> Elizabeth's still in there as a, you know, she may be on the ticket um, and she's on the short list. You would have done it, right? If, if he asked oh, yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I talked to Joe, um, and so we had a discussion about it, and then two days later, he said it was going to be a woman, and then I, I said, like, to, I said to Twitter, <laughs> I was like, you know, you could have said that to me, like, a couple days ago. Like, I would have been cool. But yeah, I, I would have done it, for sure. Do you feel that there's going to be a call where they're going to ask you to be the, in the new administration? Uh, yeah, I think there's a good chance of that. You know, I, I've heard from <laughs> Joe and his team, and uh, that they're, uh, they're looking to build a team, which is the right approach. I think yep. Joe's going to win. I mean, we all have to work, 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 and fight, fight, and fight. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but I think but I think Joe's going to win. Um, and then really the work begins because we're in the midst of like this historic catastrophic mess. Uh, we're in like a deep, deep, dark, dark hole and we have to dig out. So Joe's starting to look around as to who's going to have a shovel um, and, and dig. And I've definitely got my shovel and anything I can do to try and solve some of the problems I ran on that I'm passionate about. Are you scared of pissing off these tech giants? I mean, obviously Mark Zuckerberg is the biggest pile of shit. I mean, we'll be assassinated with the level we talk about them, but are you not scared of like <laughs> pissing all these guys off? Well, when you say these guys, you're talking about a very, very small group of human beings. And then there are the myriad folks that work for them and with them. And of the folks that work for them and with them, there are some other folks who are frankly not great, <laughs> but, 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 then there, but then there are some others that are like smart and reasonable and parents. And if you say like, hey, have things gone like uh, awry or to excess? They'd be like, oh yeah. And, and a lot of these people also are now fucking like loaded. So like, you know, some of them have gotten to a point where it's like, well, like I made mine and like, I'm not really that mad if <laughs> things yeah. change. I don't, I don't really need to try. Some folks just go into dragon mode and it's like, oh, I just need more, more, more. But, but some chill out. Um, so you have like a significant proportion of them who I think will be very reasonable. Uh, you know, now what proportion of the people at the tippy tippy top on that category? Like, unfortunately, not as many as you'd hope. Um, but, you know, it's like I'm, I'm a parent, a patriot. Like, I want to solve the problems. And if someone wants to get on board, great. If someone's a total asshole about it, then be like, well, you know, that's why we have a government and rules and regulations so that if there's some some asshole who doesn't want to go along with it, then they, they don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. sorry, you're toxic. So <laughs> your, your website's I, I, destroying America. 
And the comparison that some people make, which I think is completely right. Um, so a guy named Roger McNamee talks about how you had like chemical giants in the 20th century. They're making all their stuff. They're just dumping stuff in the streams. And then we figure out, it's like, hey, you know what? Dumping that your, your waste products in the streams is really, really bad. So we should make rules around that. So we're now the same phase with a lot of these tech giants where you didn't know what was going on. They were doing their thing. They're very, very negative externalities that are now um, you know, messing up our mental health and like making teenage girls depressed and like all this other stuff. And so then you look up and say, okay, these are the waste products, like time to clean them up. Um, and, and so right now we've just lost the thread where somehow like intelligent moderation is somehow like extreme or problematic, like, oh, you know, because the government's been so discredited in, in some circles uh, and it's nonsense. It's like, you know, this is in many ways history repeating itself. Well, they spend millions and millions and billions of dollars lobbying so that they can continue unfettered, you know, destroying right. everyone to it's, make their money. It's freedom of speech. We can't do censorship, blah, blah, and regulation. blah, poo, poo, poo. Right. Do you drink, by the way? I'm a very, very, very light drinker because I'm a very sleepy drunk. Uh, and the, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is just be like, oh. <laughs> and do you, have you ever smoked cigarettes? Do you, is anyone in your family smoke cigarettes? No, I'm, I'm a non-smoker. Uh, and no one in my family smokes, to my knowledge. Uh, thinking, you thinking. have a really bad porn addiction? Where are your vices? I was a very nerdy kid. And that, uh, that nerdiness translated into being very... Uh, conservative about my brain, I guess, being like, oh, this might like screw up my brain wiring. Like, can't have that. Like, if I don't have my brain, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why we are each a half a brain. What about sugar? What's your, you like, or you're you like a chips guy or? I could definitely say like, I'm a snacks, uh, sweet and uh, sugar. Like, you know, like if I had a vice, it probably would be just late night snacking, yeah. um, which I'm trying not to do now. So. Um, so I was hesitant to raise it as a vice if I've like kicked the habit. <laughs> Did you gain any weight in quarantine at all? Uh, so the, the toughest thing was running for president. Like you just ate like shit uh, all the time, and uh, and you just did not have the bandwidth to like moderate yourself uh, because you're just lurching from event to event, and they like <laughs> pop you into the rental car, and then you're like, okay, what are we doing now? All right, and then someone just like throws a corn dog in your face, and you're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, so what happened was I'd be on the trail for, let's call it like three or four days in South Carolina and whatnot. So for the first day, I'm all like peanuts, kind bars, like, um, like, <laughs> so like water. By like day two, it's like, you know, whatever crap you throw in the car, I'm going to eat. Um, 7-Eleven, because... 7-Eleven, pizza. 7 -11. Like, like, and I, you, I've crisscrossed, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire so much that I'd be like, oh, I remember this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, they have White Castle. I probably would have been oh, doing yeah. a White Castle over there. There's a lot of retro love to running for president. Like anytime I saw an orange Julius, I was Ooh. like, Whoa. plus you're like on, you're traveling. It's like, there's not much comfort. It's, it's uncomfortable. So I would think that you're, and you're surrounded by people and you're just, it's like the one comfort I would imagine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like eating like a snack. And you're, and you're spending most of your day, like you get out. There's a, a group in a coffee shop and you're like, okay, I'm here to present my vision. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Universal basic income, humanize the economy. You've been, you know, like uh, your instincts are right. And, and then you get back in and you answer questions and then you get back in the car and you just want to like, just come like eat yeah. the eat yes. thing in the world. Like yep. that you're like, your, your brain is just at this point just being like, 
Turn it off. Yep. It's like stand-up. It's like stand-up when you when being on the road. Now you can go to drugs and alcohol. <laughs> Not saying that I did. I did. But you or you eat. Oh, and and there are so many parallels between politics and comedy. It is uncanny. Beyond. Yeah. Well, look what you're doing. You're you're talking to people. You're expressing your views. You're hoping they listen to you. You're vulnerable. Then you're mad. You're you want something from people. You're trying. To, you're trying to make money. You're trying to give money. You're trying to give of yourself. You're trying to get from other people. You're expressing, expressing. You're giving and giving, and then then you're alone. And I would imagine too. There's also the. I mean, politics, I think, is probably even more brutal as far as people being, like, on social media, particularly now, their their comments and judgments of you. It's just unfettered. It's certainly with comedy. It's like, you're not funny, fat dyke, or whatever. <laughs> and or it's, like... Do you people... get... You must not get a lot of that, though. Do you get a lot of hate on social media? I, I get less than, I think, most any other political figure, which, like, I feel grateful for. Um, but of course you get your fair share. Like there are folks that just are, seem to be hanging out just to be like, oh, that's socialism or whatever, like, you know, like Stu. Yeah, the, the Russian trolls, that's right. Not... Meanwhile, they even have a hard time. They're in their troll farm like, what do we do? This guy wants to give everyone a thousand bucks. I don't know, say you hate money. Right, right. We have to think of something for him. He must be terrible somewhere. Like, it's just... The parallels, though, are very, very real, yeah. really. It's, I think it's one reason why I've, like, clicked with various comedians, because I feel like we're kindred spirits, uh, just in, like, some of the things that we've done. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're dealing with people and you're doing any kind of expression, you know, there's a back and forth that politicians have and performers have. So before we let you go, tell us about Move Humanity Forward. Sure. Uh, so it is a 501c4 nonprofit that is trying to push forward universal basic income and a human-centered economy. That the fact that our data is ours, some of the big ideas of my, of my campaign, we're trying to just advance. So we have a nonprofit that's doing this, and what the nonprofit is doing right now is giving people money because we're in crisis mode. People are suffering, so we've now distributed seven million dollars plus wow. in direct economic relief uh, in increments between 250 and a thousand dollars. Uh, unfortunately, we have a waiting list, like over 100,000 deep, because oh people were, you know, there's the needs are so, um, so pervasive right now. Uh, and the third thing we're doing, which would absolutely love your help and listeners help with is we're supporting down ballot candidates who are also pro uh, human centered economy. And so these are folks like Alex Morse, who's running for uh, Congress in Massachusetts, love Alex Morse. Uh, he's uh, very progressive. He's pro UBI. Um, he reminds me a bit of Pete, where he went to Brown and then went to his hometown and became mayor. Uh, a woman named uh, uh, Donna Imam in Austin, Texas, that I think is going to go red to blue. Her opponent's like a 78 year old uh, Republican on his uh, deathbed who's like, uh, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like the, the um, transition from. The incumbent to her would be enormous. And Austin is going very, very purple. Yeah. Like Austin's like that sort of uh, college town vibe. Um, Robbie Goldstein, who's like Alex Morris, uh, running, he's like him in that he's gay and running for Congress in Massachusetts. Um, Robbie's a medical doctor. He works at Mass General. Um, uh, you know, he's very uh, data driven and lucid uh, and progressive. Um, so, so those are some of the candidates that I'm campaigning for. I'm trying to help. Um, yeah, we'd love to help promote all of the candidates that you guys are endorsing and anything for Move Humanity for. Like, we're we're with you. We are totally gonna do this superhero <laughs> team up. Yeah. Like, it's not that you're with me. I am with you two. You two are freaking <laughs> awesome, it's phenomenal. I am now your big super fan. This is tremendous. Don't forget, wow. you came in as our biggest super fan. <laughs> 
I somehow got bigger. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. It was truly an honor, honestly. Uh, we were just two dumbass comedians from reality TV <laughs> when we started this podcast in 2017, and it's been the most challenging and least rewarding thing we have ever done <laughs> until today. Until today, Andrew Yang. Other than Barack Obama and Elizabeth Warren, there is no one in politics we admire more than you. So tell That's our true. 14 listeners where you need them to go so that you'll like them. Oh, I like them already. <laughs> I love them. Uh, but if you want to help uh, support these candidates and support universal basic income, go to movehumanityforward.com. You can also follow me on social media. I do have my own podcast, Yang Speaks. And I would like to get Julian Brady on said podcast. Uh, we should. That, that's what the, the cross collapse looks like. <laughs> wow. I screamed. Well done. Thank you so so much. Yeah, truly. We're gonna do this again. It'll be fun. And then I totally <laughs> curious about trying to do like a cross podcast because it's just so much fun talking to you two. We hate goodbye, so it's just see you later. <laughs> Appreciate the heck out of you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. So that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. Thank you guys for listening. We are so grateful for all 14 of you, especially right now. If you're new to us and you haven't signed up for our Patreon podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and check it out. If you don't have a Patreon account set up, the podcast episodes will be locked, but you can scroll down the feed to our episode from September 11th of last year, and that one is unlocked and free for you to try out. We don't talk any politics on our Patreon podcast, but we are going to tell the story of Andrew Yang this week because he transcends politics to us anyway. <laughs> we do two a week. You can choose whether you want to sign up for one or two. They're both an hour and it's $1 for one and $2 for two. If you're not sure you'll like it, then sign up for one. You can always go in and cancel it if it's not your cup of tea. And spoiler alert, it might not be, unless you like your tea with a lot of cussing, drugs, and alcohol, doo-doo talk, extremely harsh celebrity judgments, food challenges, and the occasional treasure hunt. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And Andrew motherfucking Yang. Mm. How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign You look like you're both pretty groovy Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie I'm glad we caught you at home.
Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> so, come up to the lab. And see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs> 